This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for July 29, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. The message is by Father Joe Redman. One of the dangers that a clergy person has in preaching is trying to say too much, but there's so much here this morning. So we're going to make an attempt to not overwhelm you with some of the things that I think the Lord's given for me to say to you. First of all, as we read the gospel account from John's gospel, it was interesting, but Mother Nancy last week was saying, where was the gap in last week's um, proclamation of the gospel? And she noted that it was the the feeding of the multitude and also Jesus walks on water. That was the synoptic account from Mark's gospel, which is not what we hear today, but it is a parallel account taken from John's gospel. Now, the people are following Jesus, and if we read in the gospel of John the reasoning, it's not particularly, I think, because they've identified him as the Messiah, the Son of God, but because they're very interested because he is doing miraculous things. He and the or he has been doing remarkable things, and so the people, their interest is, uh, their curiosity has been raised to a very high level. And so they begin to follow him, and they have been anticipating the Messiah or prophets for a long time. So my dad is a young man in Missouri. He was raised as a Roman Catholic, but he said that he used to love when revivalist preachers would come to town because he said it was, honestly, Joe, it was the best show in town. Well, think about it. I think for these people, Jesus was the best show in town. They had yet to comprehend who he was, why he had come, and the power that he was going to manifest. So they didn't understand that, but they get to this point in time when they're following Jesus, and suddenly they find that the hour is late and they are now hungry. They're hungry. Their appetites are uh, whetted. They've had sort of an appetite for this proclamation, and so they're coming to see Jesus for their curiosity's sake, but they're, now they have a real appetite. It's a natural uh, thing, isn't it? When people, in fact, in my case, it's sometimes embarrassing because you'll actually hear a rumble. People will say, oh, it's about to, it's about to rain. I think I hear thunder. But actually, it's, the, it's my stomach rumbling. So they had a natural inclination, a natural appetite that uh, needed to be met. And Jesus uh, is very, uh, we need to understand that he, like uh, we, need to be aware of people's needs. To proclaim the gospel and to ignore people's needs is not consistent with the gospel. So Jesus, with compassion, feeds them. And he does it in a remarkable fashion. Uh, We don't have six months' wages. It wouldn't be enough, even if we had six months' wages, to buy enough food for all these people. And then Mark, not Mark, Andrew says, your namesake, uh, says, well, there's a young lad here with uh, some barley loaves and two fish. Barley loaves are important because barley loaves were the food of the impoverished, of the poor people. Ordinarily, people would eat wheat bread, but this is barley bread. 
And he brings this small, little, seemingly insignificant gift to God. And God does a remarkable thing. Now, this is where I'm in danger because I'm going to try to broaden this a little bit to include the whole issue of appetite. Because I said they were hungry. It was a natural thing. They were hungry. Um, But I want to preach a little bit on the account from 2 Samuel about um, David. I mean, how do you overlook that? Unfortunately for David, the appetite that he was dealing with that evening was a misplaced appetite. We'll never know what was his motivation or rationalization. You know, when we are about to commit sin, part of the job of the tempter is to make it look more glorious than it really is. He glosses it over with a very thin veneer, But in reality, if we will examine it closely, it is a counterfeit. So who knows what kinds of justification uh, David was making in his mind about this occasion of sin. Well, maybe it was, I'm so overworked, I just deserve a little fun and pleasure. But that, ladies and gentlemen, was a lie because David was aware of the commandments of God. One of the important ones is, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor or thy neighbor's wife or thy neighbor's goods. He's seeking to possess that which he has no right to possess, and he falls into a terrible sin. It's very interesting to notice uh, how many of you are, uh, it's probably more this the next service, but if I were to say, are you familiar with an album called A Momentary Lapse of Reason? Do I get any? uh, Well, that is a a famous Pink Floyd album. And there's a a song that's called One Slip, in which the word momentary lapse of reason comes from. It's about a man who does the wrong thing and the consequences are tragic. And so, too, for David. His appetite was to possess that which he had no right to possess, to take the wife of another man. Oh, by the way, Uriah was a Hittite. And so people might say, well, you know, he wasn't even a Jew. But most people believe, first of all, they know that he was one of the 30 valiant men who traveled with David when he was being pursued by Saul. So this isn't a stranger. This is an intimate friend, or at least a person that he respected. Also, his name was Uriah, which means what? The Lord is my light. And so here is a man who has such honor, oh, by the way, that when David seeks to cover his tracks... To get this man to visit this wife, he doesn't do it because he's an honorable man. He says, here Judah and Israel are not uh, available here. They're out fighting the battle. The Lord has no place, no temple in which to rest. Should I take my ease? And so David has to be really grinding his teeth. You know, one of the wonderful things about being an Anglican, if you've been watching the... uh, Olympics, you you see the queen 
there in her special box. And, you know, uh, her, her sons and grandsons, her consort, her husband. But, you know, when she goes to worship in an Anglican church and she begins worship, the Queen of England hears this prayer. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom? What? No secrets are hid. David failed to, to understand. Uh, Ron Penfound, who was Captain Penny up in Cleveland, said you can fool some of the people some of the time, and maybe all of the people all of the time, but you can't fool mom. Well, let's extrapolate that to God because there is no way of pulling the wool over God. So when you're looking at being tempted or you're being tempted and you're asking yourself, one of the questions I think you need to ask yourself is that what kind of appetite am I, am I seeking to fill here? You know, what was, what was David trying to do? What was he trying to accomplish? I, I don't really know. I still sort of wonder, you know, he was familiar with Uriah. How long had he been hatching this plan to accidentally being, you know, looking down into that corridor, that part of the city at that time of night? I don't know. But his heart was not right. He was doing that which God had forbidden. And, you know, the devil tries to let us think, well, we'll just have this momentary lapse of reason. I can just... Go there for just a few minutes and God will certainly forgive me. But that's presumptuous sin. What would ever happen if that assumption that God's going to move you to repentance, so you're going to have this momentary lapse of reason, you're going to fall into sin, so God will certainly forgive me, and you find that your heart has become hardened, and you think you can continue in this wayward way. And that that moment of repentance that you thought would most surely come does not come. Oh, my God. John also writes in his first letter, this book. This is the message. This is from the first chapter of the book of John. First John. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. David Don't go there. But David does, and what happens is, I think, I really believe that the consequences that were unleashed on his family were tragic. Now, did God bring him to repentance? Yes. Part of the way he did it is he gets his, what, prophet Nathan to confront him in a public way. Oh, my God. And he confesses his unrighteousness and he asks for the Lord's forgiveness. So you can't walk in darkness and think you have fellowship with the light. One of the things that's sort of amazing to me, and I think it's actually a declaration that the the scriptures are absolutely true, and one of the reasons that I think is because they always give us the unvarnished truth. There are other words that are not the word of God from other um, faith traditions. And it's very interesting, but the heroes that they seek to lift up are always people above reproach. But the amazing thing about the Bible 
is that we see the people in the unvarnished state. David, beloved of God, yet a tragic figure indeed, who sins, and this is an abomination before God, has Uriah the Hittite killed, but yet God brings him, what? To repentance. Or Peter, who denies Christ. Or Paul, who persecutes the church. You see what I'm saying? I think what's, what we learn in the, in the Bible is that we can be honest with God and we can be honest with one another that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So, if you are convinced that you can get away with it, you can't. And the, the later thing that I think it's important to realize is that when God brings David to repentance, this psalm most people believe, was his commentary on forgiveness. The 51st Psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so you are justified when you speak and upright in your judgment. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth, a sinner from my mother's womb. For behold, you look for truth deep within me and will make me understand wisdom secretly. Purge me from my sin and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. He got to the right place but not after loosing some terrible consequences on his family. Now, God can forgive us, and there are times when we do things that are indiscreet and wrong, but sometimes we have long-term manifestations. Josh McDowell wrote a book once on, uh, I think it was called Good and Right, or Right and Betty, are you here someplace there? Right from Wrong. That's my wife, Betty. She's the, uh, my, uh, how can I say it, my addendum to my sermon notes. <laughs> and um, what happens is Josh McDowell says that when we are tempted, uh, the implication is that we will have immediate gratification, but terrible long-term consequences. But if we can say no in the temptation, that we can draw on God's power and grace and mercy, that we may have to delay the gratification, but we can be assured that we will have a good long-term consequence. So here is David. He makes the mistake. And if you know anything about his life, the Lord loved him. He repented. But I think the seeds were sown generationally into his family that had terrible long-term consequences. I don't even want to preach about Tamar and Amnon, uh, the terrible thing that happened, half-son, half Amnon, daughter, Tamar. Terrible tragedy, internal strife in the family. Or the sadness of um, his, his son, um, Absalom. Terrible tragedy, terrible sadness. And even Solomon, you find some manifestations of sin in the decisions that Solomon makes that I think were planted in this one act. Now back to the gospel. 
because these people's appetites were there because they wanted to see this, this miracle worker. We all have appetites. The appetites of David were wrong-focused, and he fell. But Jesus really wants us to understand that he who is able to take the little of this boy and miraculously increase it to the point that over 5,000 people are fed, or as some commentators believe, there were probably more close to 14,000 because you didn't add in those days the, the, the women and the children. The Jesus later, they think he's this prophet. They identify as this prophet who's come from God. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen? He's more than a mere prophet. Because in the final pericope of the Gospel of John, he walks on the water. He is very God of very God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him, all things were made, who for our sake. He came down to live and die as one of us. They had yet to understand who he was. But later, just very not very farther in the Gospel of John, Jesus is going to take this incident of the feeding of the multitude. He's going to remind them that God fed them in the wilderness with manna. And he's going to say to them, I am the bread which has come down from And he talks about eating of him and partaking of him. And so here's the real thing I want to share today. The greatest appetite that you will ever uh, fulfill is to feed on the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how you're tempted, if you can draw close to the Lord in those moments of temptation, you can cry out to him, And you can feed on he who is the bread of life, who has given himself for the life of the world. He will bring you the victory. But it'll never be your victory. It'll always be his victory. Almighty God, into whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. You are just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.